As uh, we're closing out the series uh, today on this unpacking the hot dog buns. And um, so for me, uh, to be honest with you, this is just going to be my life, I think, for the rest of my existence here on earth. But it's been so fun to be able to just kind of help all of us in here understand what is it that God's really calling us to in the life that he has for us. But uh, let me just, in case you didn't catch all the words, let me read a few of those words for you. It said, I believe we're underwater and I believe the engine's blown. Yeah, I believe our secret longings tell us that we're not at home. But grace reclaims what the world is on. Yeah, nothing is as good as it should be because this is the rehearsal. Yeah, in between the was and the could be, love is the reversal. So it's interesting living this life because in part of this life, there's so much that's painful and so much that's unfulfilling. Anybody got painful or unfulfilling stuff? You ever experienced that? Okay, great. See, when you have painful and unfulfilling stuff, then what you're hoping for is that there's something different. I hope there's something different than what I'm experiencing right now. But in all honesty, I mean, I think if we're honest, most of us at the same time also experience some really good and satisfying things. Now, how many of you have good and satisfying things in your life? Okay, when, when life is good and satisfying, what do you want? More, exactly. See, now, isn't that interesting? Why? Why is it when something's good and we call it satisfying, we actually want more of it? And why, when something is bad or it's unfulfilling, we want something different? See, it's really interesting. Whether good or bad, we're not actually fully satisfied. There's a longing inside of us. Listen to a message by Tim Keller, amazing pastor out in New York City. Uh, if you want to get a good podcast, write down Tim Keller and pull down his stuff. And I was listening to a message of his in, in, in preparation, and he was uh, talking about a couple of philosophers. Any f- people into philosophy out here? Okay, yeah, uh, two. This, is, this will be really helpful for you. <clears throat> so, uh, but he, he talked about a couple of philosophers, Martin Heidegger and Karl Marx. And I don't know if you know these, but Martin was an existentialist, and he was also a fascist sympathizer. And you probably, more of us are more uh, familiar with Karl Marx, who was the father of communism. Now, pretty interesting, kind of completely different philosophies in life. But he said what's interesting is both of them came up with the same reality. Kind of the core thing of what they realized we have to talk about, and this is what, what it was. They both would say that there's no way that we can understand the human condition without the concept of alienation. There's no way that we can understand the human condition without the concept of alienation. In other words, there's a sense that we're being estranged, that we're being alienated, that we're actually being separated from something. And if we're going to even begin understanding the human heart, we've got to understand that all of us, for some reason, feel alienated. Somehow we believe that there's something more and we're separated from it and we want it. There's something different. There's something more. Could it be that our secret longings tell us that we're really not at home? That we are striving and we're chasing, that we're longing, that we're always looking because maybe we've tasted but it's not enough. He gave another uh, quote from Albert Camus who said this. This is really good. Check this out. Beauty is unbearable. It drives us to despair. 
Now, now you, you, know, you start off and you go, what's wrong with beauty? I kind of like beauty. Because beauty is unbearable. It drives us to despair because it offers us for a minute the glimpse of an eternity that we desperately want to stretch out over all of time. In other words, as soon as I see something beautiful, there's something inside of me that goes, yes, and you want that. But then there's all this other stuff that isn't beautiful. Now beauty is like, oh, it got me. Because now I'm dissatisfied because I know there's something better. I know there's something more. I know there's something different. See, and what Albert Camus was saying is there's something inside of us that gets a glimpse into something that's eternal that we want all the time. And that's what kind of makes us say, yeah, I know I've got this woman, but I want that woman. Or I've got this job, but I want that job. And I have this and I want that because we realize there's more and we're looking for it. Somehow I know that life can be good. And I think we know that it's supposed to be good. And so you go back to the words of the song and it says, nothing is as good as it should be because this is the rehearsal. Yet in between the was and the could be, love is the reversal. There's something missing here. And so, and and the song goes on to say, God, you're the reversal. You're the one who can take this thing and turn it around for me. You guys, life in God, life with God, and life for God. This is what our souls are longing for because he is everything He's eternal in not just his time. He's eternal. He is the absolute fulfillment of everything that's good, of everything that's right, of everything that satisfies. And so in this world, we taste certain things and that's good and it makes us long for more. Really, it's just trying to move us to God. That's why Jesus Christ could say eternal life, not just the existence down here on this planet, but eternal life, the fullness of life. Jesus said is found in this. Eternal life is knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Once you know him, once you're intimate with him, once you're experiencing relationship with him, now you're finally tasting what your soul craves. So that's why we've been talking about this. Because I feel like if you're like me, and I know we all are, there is a constant search for stuff. And so I did this whole hot dog bun, this thing, this, this whole idea. And if you haven't been here, it's pretty much just this, this ongoing search and crave and chase that we have to somehow make our lives better with the things of this world. So just real quick, so we can recap and I can jump in. There's really three dangers that I've talked about this. What is the danger with chasing after all these other things? The first one is this. When you chase after all these other things and you look to them to satisfy you, you finally realize they don't all work. They work for a while, but they can all of a sudden go away. Husbands and wives can be one thing one day and another thing another day. Our health, our job, the economy, whatever it is, your own talents, your own abilities, all of that can fade away. So three weeks ago, we talked about who's in your boat. Who's in your boat? Don't chase after the things of this world and have them be what you live for. It's dangerous. God is the one 
who can give you what you need and satisfy at your deepest core. Then the second thing we said, it's also dangerous because when, when life is good, we go, God's good. And when life's bad, we go, God's bad. And as soon as life is bad and God's bad, then we just, we don't trust him. And what we talked about was God goes, oh, wait a second. No, see, see, I am so committed to you. I love you so much. I'm actually going to help you suffer. And I'm going to bring some trial and some hardship into your life because these things can help you. He said, they'll build character within you. There's, there's a point where the hard things of this life actually help us to build a character so that we live the life we really want to live and we're not swayed back and forth by our emotions or by what the world says or about how people treat us. And he also said, I do this so you can be mature and complete and lack nothing. He goes, I want you to share in my holiness. I want you to be everything that you were created to be. And so the point, though, is if we're searching after hot dog buns, if all we want is life that's happy and everything that works for us, as soon as, soon as life gets hard, we have the tendency to abandon God and go to other things. So we've got to be careful. And then last week, very simply, I just said, I, I know this, you will not live for the kingdom of God if you're searching for your own personal fulfillment because the kingdom of God says it's actually in losing your life that you find it. It's actually in giving your life away that you get filled up. And it's so countercultural to our very nature and it's so countercultural to the world around us. So we gotta be really careful because our souls believe there's more. And even when it's good, we want more of that. And even when it's bad, we want something different than that. I think it's all a sign helping us to see that in this world, you're not gonna find it. This isn't your home. There's something greater. And all of those desires and all of those longings are pointing you to what really will satisfy your soul. And Jesus said, it's knowing me. It's knowing God and being in the relationship that you were created to be in. So, um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a little bit of a turn here, and we're going to look at how these things point us to something greater, okay? So, um, man, I've had a fantastic week diving into this passage, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, would you guys just pray with me? Let's just ask God to come in and kind of open the eyes of our heart, because again, we need help from him to even understand what he wants to tell us, okay? So, let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you this morning that you loved us enough to not leave us down here wondering what in the world this is all about. That you have shown up, that you have revealed reality and truth, that you have shown us what our hearts long for and what they desire. God, I just want to tell you, I'm glad that our hearts even desire. Thank you for the passion that you put within us, for the longing that you put within us. But God, this morning, would you help us to see how these longings, these desires, are really leading us to the bigger picture of what it's all about. And we pray for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've got your Bible, uh, open it up to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is going to be the passage I'm going to teach from today. And if you don't have it, uh, we will put it up here on the screen. And I'm just going to jump right in so we can dive into this. Some great stuff here. 1 Peter 1. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay. Three verses, man. I I told somebody else, I I could spend two hours on what I'm going to share with you guys. There's so much rich stuff in here. But let me just unpack this thing for you. And I just, just to let you know, I'm just going to do some teaching today because some of the times, this is really important for all of you who are Christians in here. If you're a Christian, there's so much that we're still guessing about. There's so much that we're just thinking about. There's so much that we feel and there isn't a whole lot sometimes that we're grounded in what God says is true about you. So I'm going to help you know that today. And if you're, if you're not a Christian and you're here, which is, again, why K2 exists, thank you, seriously, thank you for being our guest today. And this will just be a chance, I think, for you to understand a little bit more about what the teaching of, of, of Christ was. Okay, so here we go. He starts off and he says, praise be to God. Blessed be God. God, you rock. God, you're awesome. And I praise you. Why? Because of his great mercy. Not if you guys know what mercy is, but in essence, what mercy is, it's when you see a need that somebody's in and they can't do anything about it and you enter in and help them. It's mercy. It's compassion. So literally what the verse starts off and it says, praise be to God because he saw that we were in need. He saw that we were longing. He saw that we were unsatisfied. He saw that we were empty. He saw that we were broken and he acted in mercy. He came towards us when we had need. Okay, so what did he do? Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, now let's talk about this right here. This, when Paul was teaching, when everybody in the Bible was teaching after Christ, they said you need to understand that there is one teaching that's central to this whole thing. And it's central to your aches and your longings and your desires. And that's this. Jesus Christ came to this earth to die. His death on the cross is literally the center of what this is all about. See, now some people would go, well, Jesus died on the cross to show us a good example of what it is to follow God. And you go, well, that's goofy, I I think. Now, it is kind of a good example to show us what it is to follow God, but why in the world did God say, hey, you need to die on the cross? Because your greatest longing is to be in a relationship with God. And yet, every human being's tendency is to say no to God. Can I, how many of you just have a tendency to say no to God? Okay, you should all raise your hand. It's the human condition to say no to God. And here's the point. Because we say no to God, we live in ways that are opposite of his ways. And God says, here's the problem. I'm holy and I'm right and I can't have anything to do with stuff that's not of me. Light can't have fellowship with darkness. So the problem is you and I are separated. I'm here. You're doing your own thing. That's why you're not completely satisfied. That's why your heart is still longing. That's why you want something different when it's bad. That's why you want something more when it's good. I'm your more. Now, here's the problem. You and I have some difficulty being in relationship, and your sin needs to be forgiven. I hate sin, 
and it gets punished, I can either punish you or someone else can take the punishment for you. And Paul's whole teaching was this. Jesus came to take it on for you. So that all of your sin, everything, is completely forgiven. All of your crap is covered. Even what you did last night. It's covered by Jesus Christ. Now, can I just ask you, can you just think for a moment about your life and your heart and all the secrets and darkness that nobody else knows about and having all of that forgiven? Can you see why Peter says, praise be to God? Anybody else? I mean, that's, see, you have no, can I just tell you? You have no idea how good a news that is. I don't have any idea of how good the news that is. I'm trying to figure it out. But here's what I know, is my sin needs to be forgiven and Christ came to do that. But not only did he come to die in my place to receive the punishment of separation from God, he rose from the dead. Now, I'm telling you, it was so funny. I didn't get this till second service over in a red warehouse. I started teaching this stuff and I thought, okay, all of you who are here and you're just kind of checking out what Christianity is about, seriously, you're probably just going to look at me and go, okay, that is just goofy. This is, in fact, the Bible calls it foolishness, so you're in good company. But here's what the whole faith for 2,000 years has rested on. That Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And he paid for you what nobody else could do. And after he died, he rose again. And that act right there changed everything. It changed everything. So what did it change? There's three things in this passage. The first one, it says, is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have new birth. He's given us new birth. Now, aren't you excited about that? Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. A few of us. Now, here's why. Why? New birth? What are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Jesus, earlier if you were here, Jesus said, no one can even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't, definitely can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter into this whole deep relationship with God where you're one with him and he's making you everything you were created to be until there's a spiritual awakening that has to happen inside of you. And what the resurrection you guys did was Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that he could now put his spirit literally inside of you. Now, those of you who want spiritual reality, there's nothing more deep than what Christianity teaches that the spirit of the living God wants to come inside of you. And they use the term new birth. There is a complete, radical, new nature that happens in every person who receives Christ. You receive the Spirit of God. And that is good news. You, praise be to God, through the resurrection of Christ, you now, he lives today, he lives today, and he wants to live and dwell within your heart. Okay, awesome. So I have new birth into what? into a living hope, into a living hope. Well, what's that mean? You guys, you have hope when you want hope, when what you have is not all you're hoping for, (laughs) right? See, the reason you have hope is because this isn't good enough and you're hoping there's more. And what the scripture tells us is when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he gave you new birth. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you and it's new birth into a living hope. Right now, I don't, some of you, there's no question in a room this size. Some of you are in despair today and you don't need it. 
Some of you have such longing and such desire. And he's saying you can have living hope today. I love there's another passage in Colossians 1, 3 through 5, and it says this. He goes, we thank, always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. I, I read that and I, I, think, I see I, I so many faces out here that I know and just love. I feel like I could say the same thing. And I just want to say, so thank you. I thank God for you. Because we see your faith in Christ and your love for everybody. See, in another place, Paul says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is that you are in a relationship of trust in God that gets fleshed out in love. That's all that matters. And he says, man, I thank God because I see you doing that. And then he goes on, the faith and love, I love this imagery, that spring forth from the hope stored up for you in heaven. He goes, I praise God and I thank him for you. You love God, you trust him, your faith is in him, and you love everybody else because you have hope that's stored up in heaven for you. You know there's something greater and it's eternal. And as soon as you start putting your hope in that, it triggers this response inside of you and you say, thank you, God. And you start loving him. And when you start loving him, you start trusting him. And when you start trusting him, you start doing what he wants you to do. And then when you do what he wants you to do, you go, holy crow, that's good. This is really good. You start loving everybody around you and it changes the world. You have a living hope, living right now because of what Jesus Christ did for you. There's a reality that he's alive and he's side of you to spring forth love and faith within you. And then the last thing he says is, and an intuit, you now have an inheritance. Now let me ask you, how many of you have an inheritance? Okay, man, we got a bunch of cheap parents around here. That's all I got to say. That's the third service. Like, doesn't anybody have any money around here? I mean, come on. See, but here's the, it's weird. He says, listen, you need to know that when you were born again and you became a child of God, you received an inheritance. Now, most of, since none of us raise our hand, but if you had an inheritance, what you got to do usually here, right, is you got to wait for someone to die. And then after they die, right, then you get the inheritance. So we're going to have to wait a long time if God's going to have to die before we get this. Here's what you need to understand. In that day and age, in Roman law, under Roman law, as soon as you were born, you were considered an heir. So as soon as you were born, everything that belonged to the father, your father, was yours. See, so when they read this, and he said, you have new birth, spiritual birth. You're a child of God. Now you have living hope. Why? Because you're rich dirty, filthy, rich. And you just go, now, how many of you are excited about your inheritance? See, again, none of you, because you don't know what it is. So, so here's the deal. I'm seriously, that, so you read the Bible, right? You guys read this passage and you go, man, I have an inheritance. Okay, next verse, right? You know, where if somebody came to you and said, hey, dude, your dad left you two million bucks. Woo! Yeah, okay, now we're excited. That's what I thought, okay. So here is what, Here's what he is saying to us. The inheritance, I didn't know this until this, until this week studying. Almost every time it talks about what you're an heir of, what you receive is the kingdom of God. Your inheritance is you 
get to participate in the ways of God. Now, okay, now it's getting a little better. But still, for some of you, you go, okay, what's that? Well, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. The kingdom of God is the ways of God. It's the rule of God. It's what's good. It's what's right. It's pure love. It's what every human being was created for. And you now can have it. And you don't have to keep longing and keep searching. And is it my job? Is it my spouse? Is it my health? Is it this? No, it's God. And you now can know him. He can live within you. He can change your heart. He can actually give you the desire and the longing to live in his kingdom. And here's what's so cool. It can't perish. It can't fade. It can't spoil. See, and when you look for hot dog buns, come on, honey. Come on, baby. Be what I need. Make me happy. Come on, honey. Come on, husband. Supply. Lead spiritually. Come on. Come on, job, satisfy me. Come on, money. God, I got all this. Where's more? I need. All that stuff can be gone in a second. And you have an inheritance that's kept in heaven. You have a Holy Spirit of God who's now entered inside of you. And you actually get to live in his ways. And he says, now he goes on in the next verse, in verse six, he goes, in this, you greatly rejoice. And I just want to tell you, if you don't greatly rejoice today, seriously, even if you call yourself a Christian today, and by this point, you're not greatly rejoicing, it's very possible I'm just a crappy teacher, and that's very possible. But here's the other possibility. You don't know yet. You don't know God yet. And I want you to know him more than anything else in my being. Because once you know him, you have eternal life and you're changed and you're different and you bring the kingdom of God, you experience it inside and you bring it into this totally screwed up, messed up world that needs God's love and his presence. And we're out chasing hot dog buns. And God told me this summer, no more, Nelson. So we go on. it! I need lots of time. In verse 6, he goes on, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. He brings it right back to reality. Yeah, this life's hard. But these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Is that verse, can we, is, I don't know if we can have that, if it's possible up there, because it's kind of important. Let me, let, me, let me share with you what it's saying. Your faith, let's start off with this. He says, your faith is more precious than the most precious thing, than gold. Why does he say that? Let me just tell you. I, just, I don't know if you guys know this or not. It doesn't matter if you're religious in here or not. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. Every human being lives by faith. You're living by faith today. And here's what's crazy. What you believe drives everything that your life actually becomes. I usually like to do this backwards. Here's how it works. Every action that you do, every way you treat your spouse, every interaction with your kids, every interaction, everything you do 
is driven by some sort of motivation. It's like an emotive thing that pushes you to act. Every one of those motivations comes from what you think. You think certain things, it stirs something up within you, and you act. But here's the deeper reality. Every thought that enters your mind is tied to what you believe. And so what you believe, you guys, literally ends up being your life. It is what culminates your existence. The reason you're experiencing what you're experiencing right now, if you take it all the way down, it's because of what you believe. And so that's why Peter goes, your faith, what you believe, is more precious than gold because gold is just going to fade away. You're going to go on forever. And it's all determined by what you believe. What are you living for? And so then, and this is what blew me away this week more than anything else. He goes, your faith, it's going to go through some fire so that it may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Now, I'll just tell you, when I do these things, I just, I look at the passage and I throw notes aside immediately. And as soon as I saw praise, glory, and honor, what did I think about? To Jesus, right? Okay. So then I go back later and I'm studying the passage and it freaked me out. Because it says, these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and that your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor. And all of a sudden I'm going, whoa, this, whoa, that's weird. You mean my faith? Because faith, I believe, my belief in God, which causes me to actually follow him, right? Because faith without action is dead. So it doesn't matter what you say. You guys know that? It doesn't matter what you say. Real faith actually results in action. So he goes, those actions, those acts of faith, when you trusted me and actually did what I said, they're going to result in praise and glory and honor. And I'm like, for me? Okay, that's just weird. So then I went to all the scholars and the commentators, and they're all saying the same thing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So then I start going through the whole Bible, and I really start freaking out. Because in John chapter 12, verse 26, Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me. And my Father will honor the one who serves me. God is going to honor every one of you who actually serves him, who actually follows him. Not those of you who say, because remember he said, those who say, Lord, Lord, that's not, it doesn't matter. Only those who actually do the will of my Father. He's going to honor you. And I start freaking out. John 5, How can you believe if, if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only true God? God's going to praise you? Romans 2, 29. Such a man, a man whose heart is renewed, not external religious crap, but in a real heart that's now cut away from selfishness and sin and lives for God. He says such a man's praise is not from men, it's from God. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 4, 5, he goes, I don't care if you judge me, I don't even judge myself because eventually I'm going to stand before God. He's going to expose the motives of everybody's heart and then every one of us is going to receive the praise due him. And then I just, Jesus talks about all the rewards we're going to get in heaven and Paul talks about rewards and crowns and I finally realized, you guys, you know what's going to happen when you're done here? You're going to stand before God and if you actually had faith and you believed and you followed him and you did things that actually impacted the kingdom of God on this earth, he's going to go, you rock! Way to go! And he's going to praise you and he's going to honor you and he's going to bless you. See, and then all of a sudden I sit there and I go, and we want to live for hot dog buns? 
I mean, seriously, we want, we're going to use all the resources that he gave us, and we're going to live for all this stuff to make us feel more comfortable and to have more fun and to do things for our own pleasure on this planet that'll all die away when we're done, and then we're going to go face Jesus, and we're going to take the, the, the abilities and the talents and the life and the heart and the personality and all that we are, and what do you believe about why you have what you have? What do you believe about why you are who you are? You are created to be in a relationship with a God who loves and who gives himself away and that changes the world. And for every person who does that, we're going to get in front of him one day and he's going to go, "Woo! you're awesome. And it's going to be a praise fest. So then I just stop and I just go, okay, hold on a second. If Jesus would just say one thing to me. If he would just make one comment and say, well done. I don't know about you. All I can picture is, I think I'm just going to fall on my face. And I'm just going to say, God, thank you. Because if you hadn't saved me, I would have never lived for your kingdom. If you hadn't given me a new heart, I would have never lived for others more than myself. If you hadn't poured your spirit into my heart, I would have lived my whole existence down here for me. And there would be no reward and no crown and no well done. And so for all of you who are Christ followers, you see what happens? He might praise you, but what are you going to do? You're going to flip it right back to him. And you're going to go, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which took away all of my sin and gave me a new heart and a new nature so I could actually walk in you and with you and have your power to change this selfish pig. Sorry, that's just how I felt this summer. Please save me from me. And I just want to tell you, when we're all standing in front of Jesus and we're in eternity, we're finally going to know really how foolish it was to live for anything else. So what are you living for? Are you still chasing hot dog buns? Or are you investing all that he's given to you back into him and back into this world? And are we living for what really matters the kingdom of God. And here's the whole point, you guys. God is the big hot dog bun. He is the one. You'll finally find your life. You'll finally find what I've told you every week. Your soul's greatest desire is not for blessing. Your soul's greatest desire is to love. And he's love. And you'll find that when you find him. Now the band's gonna come up And I just want to ask you in this moment, because what do we do? What do we do? There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says this. Don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever.
You guys, the greatest news that I can proclaim to you is that Jesus died. If you've received him, you are clean. He looks at you and goes, good to go. And he risen again so that he can live within you right now. And so if that's what's real, and if that's what's true, and if that's where I'm heading, then how are you running this race? Are you running the race marked out for you? Are your eyes fixed? Are you fighting the good fight of faith to believe in what is true and what is real? Because then what's going to happen is someday you're going to see him face to face. You're going to see him face to face and everything is going to change.